You're listening to the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Why is it that in the executive search and staffing industry, getting paid is a core competency? Last time I went to Best Buy, whenever I bought a device, I didn't say, you know, let me think about this. I'm just not so sure that this is the device that's going to get me what I really need, so let's renegotiate the fee. Or I'd say, you know, I don't think I want to pay you because I thought of this idea before you even produced it, and so for that reason, I don't think you deserve the fee, the $20 for this microphone that I want to buy from you, or whatever. You've heard crazy clients say all sorts of things. Oh, we know that candidate already, or he's already in the database, or somebody referred him to us internally, or whatever the deal is. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I can't give legal advice, but I do know that once you have that verbal or especially that written contract in place, you've got something that has some teeth. You have a client that is giving you an excuse why they shouldn't pay you. What's the next thing you should do? Well, I think the next thing you should do is listen to the rest of this podcast because I'm interviewing Wilson Cole, who is the founder of Adams, Evans & Ross. It's a collection agency specializing just within our very own unique industry. He's done very well because there's always going to be clients that don't pay recruiters fees, and he's built an amazingly positive reputation in our industry through all the different trade shows that he's been to, all the people that he's met, and all the service work that he's done for people like you and me. We make a placement, we want to get paid, and the client's being flaky about that. We call Wilson, and we let him work his magic, and boom, we get paid. Now listen to the rest of this podcast as we hear Wilson talk directly to us about what we can do to help collect that fee. Before we do that, though, check your calendars. March 20th and 21st, I'm doing a a day-and-a-half seminar in Vegas. Information's on my website. It's greatrecruitertraining.com. Click on the live seminars link, and you'll find it right there. Thanks for listening. Now let's listen to Wilson as he tells us how we can get paid on deals where our clients don't want to pay us. I've got with me on the line Wilson Cole from Atlanta, Georgia with Adams, Evans & Ross. Uh, Adams, Evans & Ross is a credit and collection specialist company for the staffing and recruiting industry. And I've known Wilson for quite some time. We've seen each other at various conferences that I've attended and spoken at and that he's been an exhibitor at. Uh, He's dealt with about 1,600 recruiting firms, helping them to collect debts when clients don't hire. It's the only type of collection work that he's done in his career. And the one thing I find very unique about our business of executive search and staffing is that getting paid is a core competency. So here to share with us some ideas on how to make sure our clients pay is Wilson Cole. Wilson, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you kindly, Scott. I appreciate you guys uh, having us, and uh, kind of hopefully we'll be able to give you some information to to help your clients uh, collect when they don't need our services, and then also we'll give them some options when they do. But 90% of the time, they're going to be able to collect it uh, without ever getting us involved. Yeah, that's great. That's helpful. I know everybody appreciates that. And so let me first start off and talk about your expertise within this area. How long have you been doing this for the, for the recruiting industry? 
You know, we started out uh, about 22 years ago, and uh, we have dealt strictly in the staffing and recruiting industry from about six months into uh, in, into the company, and this is the only type of debt that we collected. Uh, and actually, over the last 22 years, we collected roughly about a billion dollars in staffing and recruiting wow. debt. So, wow, that's, that's a it's, lot. It's, uh, it's a lot a lot of fees that uh, that uh, recruiters. Uh, uh, weren't paid for, and uh, you know, we were able to hopefully uh, get those funds back to them. You know, it's interesting within our business, even if you have a contract, you still have to have a relationship where there's trust because it's easy for someone that could say, you know, I really don't feel like paying this search firm a fee. I can kind of say, yeah, I knew that candidate from before. Maybe I interviewed him before. I think I'm just going to call him directly, or I've got his info from LinkedIn. I don't need this recruiter. I'm not going to pay the search firm or the staffing agency the fee. And then you come in, and you're able to help them collect that. Uh, let me ask you this, kind of even backing up a little bit, in the very beginning of that relationship, what are the steps that a recruiter or a search firm or a staffing agency can take to keep themselves uh, from having this happen? Certainly, and, and that's a great question, and, and I can tell you that uh, I would say over half of the companies that come through here for collections, quite frankly, had our clients handled things upstream uh, differently, they wouldn't have had an issue. Uh, we're able to collect without uh, a signed contract, but in a perfect world, a signed contract that kind of spells out all of the rules of the game of if we present a uh, candidate, then a fee is owed. You know, one of the neat things about the recruiting industry, and I think it speaks volumes for the integrity of the recruiters, is it's a handshake uh, industry, even when it comes to splits and things along those lines. But the thing that you need to keep in mind is not everybody plays by the same rules. And if you don't have a signed contract, uh, will we be able to, to still get it collected? Absolutely. With a few exceptions, with a few states, you know, in, in, uh, for instance, in Massachusetts, we can still run it through collections. But if you don't have a signed contract uh, in Massachusetts, their their Supreme Court has ruled, regardless what other information you have, where you can show the presentation, you, you don't have the right to, to sue within their court system. Uh, but the biggest thing is is to get a signed contract that basically says, hey, if we present this candidate, then a fee is owed. Uh, and then also send over resumes. Don't send over blind resumes because it, I would much rather go after a collection where it says John Smith was presented, uh, you know, on uh, January, uh, you know, 10th, and uh, they hired him 30, 60, 90 days later versus somebody that had a resume that they were able to go back and, especially if it's in a niche market, we're, we're finding where they're going back and they're. They're searching and they're figuring out who those blind resumes are from. And, oh, sure. uh, Absolutely. So, so, you know, being upfront, being very direct, and and having a an agreement that spells out a fee is owed when these scenarios happen. You know, it's frustrating when clients say, "I'm not going to pay." I've been fortunate; I've only had one scenario, and I was able to negotiate a certain, you know, like fifty cents on the dollar because I figured that's easier than going through everything. Uh, so I've been fortunate, but I know a lot of search firms, quite a few, just even two days ago, someone said, I need to get an attorney involved in collecting a fee from someone. Uh, what's what's your largest fee that you've collected for one of your clients? 
Well, we have we have two two vertical markets. One is uh, recruiting firms. The other is staffing firms. On the recruiting side, it's been one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. On the staffing side, it's been three hundred and sixty-five thousand uh, dollars. Our wow. average our average recruiter fee is roughly about twenty-five thousand dollars. You know, there's a lot of you know fifty thousand dollar fees thrown in there, but there's a lot of eight nine thousand dollar fees as well. But a, a good average. Uh, for for a recruiter fee that we get involved in is on about twenty five thousand dollars. That's right, and all those little zeros add up, don't they? Oh yeah, yes they do. Well, because you, you take a look at it, it, is you know, out of the searches that you do, that you're not compensated for just for you know the ball bouncing in in another candidate's direction. On the ones that you place, you really need to get paid. Now, something that we have seen a huge surge in. Uh, and in 22 years, I've never seen anything uh, quite surge the way this has, and it started about two, two, three years ago. And that's backdoor hires, where candidates uh, are being reapproached by the companies, and uh, we're finding that about, with, with different statistics that are out there, about three percent of the presentations that you make, those candidates are winding back up, uh, and those are fees that uh, that you have no idea. Uh, are owed, and we've seen about a 286% increase in backdoor hires alone just in the last 18 months. Wow, that's incredible. That's like digging behind the sofa and finding some extra change that you just didn't know was there. Uh, absolutely, and, 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 and not only that, uh, you know, in some cases, what we're finding is when you when you find that backdoor hire, as soon as you bring it to uh, your client's attention, about half of them are saying, oh my goodness, we didn't realize it, and they're stroking a the check. Uh, we're finding about a third of them knew exactly what they were doing, and they probably didn't have any intention on paying you from, from the beginning. But, you know, if, uh, if I were to offer uh, any suggestions to your, your listeners to generate an extra $25,000, $50,000, is take an afternoon, a couple of days a week, you know, next week, and go back and, and, and do a LinkedIn search. Do just kind of a, a follow-up on some of uh, the candidates that you've presented over the last year. And 3% of the people that you presented uh, are, are going to be, on average, uh, at, at companies where now you're owed a fee. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. So let's just say that I found someone. I did a LinkedIn search, and my candidate that I presented nine months ago, where within the fee agreement, I'm still in a phase where I can collect that, is now with my client. And nobody told me. What should be the next thing I should do? Should I call the client? Should I send a letter? Should I get a lawyer involved? What would you recommend to someone in that scenario? Give them the opportunity to do the right thing. I would reach out to them and basically, uh, with a phone call, and basically say, "Look, uh, wanted to follow up with you. It's come to my attention that John Smith is now, you know, working with your company. Of course, per our agreement, uh, a fee is owed. And uh, if you can give me a call back, and um, you know, let's discuss it." That would be the first thing I would do. I would not, if they come back and they say. Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, it, it's it's an oversight. Uh, you know, let let's let's get you paid. Then cer certainly go ahead and get it paid. But if they come back and say we're not sure it's yours, send us over all the documentation. Those should be the first warning signs. 
because 90% of the time that they're asking you for documentation, they're not asking you for documentation so they can get you paid. They're asking for documentation so they can uh, start uh, building a defense on why they don't owe you. Uh, as soon as they say, gee, we don't think we have a signed agreement, and you start noticing, gee, we sent over the agreement, they never signed it uh, and sent it back, those should be warning signs. When you should get uh, me involved is uh, when you make a call, they don't return it, you make a second call, uh, they don't return it, you make a third call and you say, look, we need to get this thing resolved and give them a, you know, two days, three days to get back to you, A, get us involved after that or when they say they're not going to pay you because. And that because really doesn't matter. It could be we're not going to pay you because we got them from another recruiter or we you know, uh, found them on our own or my all-time favorite is it was an internal referral or somebody in the company knew them. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and, and what happens is, is, is they do the interview, and it's not uncommon, and sometimes it could be your candidate's fault. It's not uncommon after you um, present or uh, let, let a candidate know about a company, they go out and start Googling, and they, or not Googling, but uh, Googling, or uh, uh, go through LinkedIn, and they say, gee, you know, Steve, I worked with two years ago. I'm going to call him. And all of a sudden, Steve says, well, let me present you because there's a, you know, $4,000 internal uh, <laughs> fee bonus. And so he just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but the biggest thing is just keep track of those candidates. And if they say they're not going to pay you, what I don't want to see is, worst case scenario for me, is when a company uh, starts lowering their prices, and I understand the negotiation aspect of it, and, and I'm all for negotiation, but I would kind of reverse it. Instead of uh, doing a scenario where they say, look, you know, you're not calling me back, or you say you don't know it, I'm showing that you owe me $30,000, cut me a check for $15,000, if not, then I'm going to turn you over to collections. Well, at that point, if they don't pay it, the first thing that happens to us when we get involved, and their attorneys get involved, their attorney says, look, your client, your client even agrees that a fee is not owed of 30000 They just offered my client 15000 last week. What I would do is ask them to give you, you know, if they say, gee, they want to resolve it, say, well, send me something over in writing. I'm willing to be reasonable. What do you have in mind? And see what they say. And if they come back at $15,000 and you want to accept it, then go ahead and accept it. But don't be the one to throw that number out there. I see. Good advice. So what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your history in doing this business, Wilson? You know, the the weirdest, probably the most corrupt aspect from on, on recruiter fees is that there was a scenario where somebody in HR would get in resumes, farm them over to a friendly recruiter, and I'm thoroughly convinced I don't uh, we were able to get it resolved, and so we didn't get documented proof of this, but I'm thoroughly convinced she was farming these resumes out and probably getting a kickback from this other recruiter. Um, that is probably the most uh, corrupt scenario. The weirdest thing, and we've actually seen it jump up a couple of times uh, in the last you know, probably 12 months, and I've gone 20 years before I've, I've run into this, is if you get into a dispute with a client, 
they are now starting to file suit immediately in their state for a declaratory judgment, which basically you know, where they go to the court and say, look, these guys say we don't owe these invoices. Go ahead and, and, and rule that these invoices are, are void. What it does is it kind of forces you to have to go out to their area to defend if these uh, uh, um, basically cases or the, these invoices are owed, which kind of negates, because we have 400 lawsuits going on at any particular point through our uh, forwarding attorneys. Our attorneys handle collection cases on a contingency basis, so it's not going to cost you a dime unless they collect. But if the debtor instigates the suit, uh, then it's then it's a different scenario. You have to pay by the hour. So, um, you know, those are just kind of some, some weird scenarios there. So I'm curious, Wilson, how do you work your magic? I mean, you don't have to tell us the secret sauce, but how are you able to get these companies to pay? Well, the biggest thing is whenever you have a recruiter that's not being paid, as a general rule, they may be in California, the client is in Ohio. The client realizes until you come to Ohio, it's not an issue. Also, a lot of times you're dealing with HR. The first thing we will do is blast it out and get it over into the company's legal department, or if they have outside counsel, we'll push them to they get the outside counsel involved. And they'll typically, even the attorneys will come back and they'll say, we don't know it because there's not a signed contract. And what we can do, because we've done this for 22 years, and, and there's 400 lawsuits at any particular point going on, you know, probably evenly divided statistically between the states, we can say, you know, a, a debtor attorney, I hear what you're saying, but let me explain why that's not going to hold water. This case, very similar to this, was already solved or already adjudicated in your uh, court system back two years ago, so this defense isn't going to hold up. Also, we can show them, because the debtors feel that you're not going to escalate over 20 grand. we can show them that it's not going to cost you a dime if this thing were to escalate up. If the debtor is really bad, and we do run into this sometimes, what we may do is we may, the first contact they have from us is we send out uh, a private investigator physically to their location. They start taking pictures, interviewing employees. Principals come out and say, gee, why are you here? The investigator explains that he's doing an asset and liability investigation on their company. And at that point, they or their attorney calls us. And we inform them that we've been hired by you guys and we're taking a look at one of two options. Either we're going to send it straight out to a local attorney for immediate suit, or if we can locate two additional creditors, we're going to contact those creditors and we're going to take a look at a possible involuntary bankruptcy petition. Well, at that point, their attorney will tell them if they can locate two additional creditors, they can have you shut down in about three to six weeks. So now something that they thought we can take care of on the courthouse steps becomes something that they have to deal with now. Now, if it is a huge corporation where it's typically not a financial issue, it's typically uh, you know, the bureaucracy, or sometimes it's even the corrupt bureaucracy, because those HAR managers, uh, in a lot of cases, are paid a bonus for keeping their outsourcing to whatever the, the dollar amount is. Once we blast that out of HR and we work it through legal, then at that point, um, you know, HR typically kind of gets reprimanded a little bit 
for not paying you guys. But it has to be done correctly because HR will recreate history. And if you don't have, you know, the, 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 all of the information to where when the attorney says, gee, we don't feel like we owe it, and we say, well, why do you think that is? And he gives us this 10-minute diatribe. We say, okay, well, that's great, but here's where you're going to be wrong. And when the attorneys go out and research it, they come back and they, you know, they still say, well, we don't think it's owed, but it's not worth our efforts to, to uh, litigate, so you know, we want to resolve it. And so those are different scenarios of how we get it collected. So have you, have you ever been involved where the client says, let's go to court, and then you're kind of riding shotgun with that recruiting firm? Absolutely. You know, the good news is four out of five we collect. We have about a 78% success rate in-house. So the good news is four out of five we collect. Bad news is one out of five we don't, and about half of those will recommend for suit. Now, it's entirely up to the client if they want to file suit. And the way that suit works is the client winds up paying, you know, court costs, which is about 500 bucks. The attorney works on a straight contingency basis, and uh, and so there's no collection or there's no charge unless he collects, and it works through the court system. And you know, legal can be an amazingly effective way to collect on funds. Last month we brought in about two hundred thousand dollars from our forwarding attorneys. That's the good news. Bad wow. news is we sued most of those accounts almost a year ago. So it's it's a twelve month play, and right. and that's the biggest downside to legal. Have you ever seen punitive damages awarded to the companies? You know, I, I haven't. Um, as a general rule, the attorneys are going to take the path of least resistance. And it's a pretty much a straight contract case of, you know, the contract says that we supplied you this and you didn't pay us for that. When they start getting into punitive damages, that starts getting into torts. And that's that typically... You, you can complicate it to the point to where you lose your key element, which is this is very simple. We supplied X. They didn't pay us for X. Right. Now, sure. we have seen one scenario down in Florida where our client was able to get triple damages on bad checks. Wow. No kidding. Yep. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, Wilson, look, let me ask you then. Let's say there's a recruiting firm that unfortunately they need your services. What's the best way they can reach you? Best way to reach me is to call us uh, directly. I'm uh, at 800-452-5287, and I'm at extension 6578, or they can reach out and email me as well, uh, and that is wilson at aercollections with an S at the end dot com. Uh, I'm typically fairly easily uh, accessible. If you don't get me live, then just leave a message, or and, and I'll typically get back with you, you know, within an hour or two. Yeah, that's great. And you exhibit at a lot of the trade conferences for the industry. Is that correct? Yeah, we typically do you know, probably 10 conferences a, a year, uh, sometimes as an exhibitor, sometimes you know, where they'll do breakout sessions to where they want to teach best practices on collection similar to here. And so we'll, we'll teach a class probably at about a, a third to half of those. But yeah, I, uh, I hit a lot of the conferences. I'm actually excited about uh, the conferences this year because uh, uh, my last uh, daughter, which I have four, my, my youngest has gone off to college, so my bride's going to be able to travel with me, uh, oh, which great. for the last yeah. 25 years she's been here at the house. So it, 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 should, it should be fun. 
That's great. Well, I'm sure that we'll be able to see each other at some of those conferences. And Wilson, I really appreciate your time and your expertise. What you have shared with us, I know, is definitely going to make a difference for people. Uh, thank you very much, Wilson. Well, thank you, Scott, for, uh, for having me. Good luck to uh, everybody. And if we're needed, just let me know.